0: I'm Katya. And I'm Rin. And we're here at the Commonwealth Center for Holistic Herbalism in Boston, Massachusetts.
1: And on the internet everywhere, thanks to the power of the podcast. woo Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here we are. This is our second episode of 2021. This is episode 147 overall.
0: No, isn't it 150?
1: Well, there were some that we didn't number because they were replaced. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, 147 original. Original episodes for yeah. you yes yeah that's pretty good yeah uh we are here with our beautiful dog elsie uh who has as soon as i said that she just picked her head up and she was like me are you talking about me um she's had a good hard romp outside catching the frisbee and now she is happily laying on the floor with us Um, and that is good because today we want to tell you about four herbs that we give to our dog elsie um (laughs) And before we do that, we want to tell you, and also we need to tell you that we are not doctors,
1: nor veterinarians,
0: veterinarians. (laughs) (laughs) we are herbalists and holistic health educators.
1: Yeah. The ideas we discuss in our podcast do not constitute medical advice. Uh, for you or for your puppers. (laughs) Um, No state or federal authority licenses herbalists in the U.S., and these discussions are for educational purposes only. Everyone's body is different, and every dog's body is different, so the things we're talking about may or may not apply directly to you, but they will give you some good information to think about and some ideas to research further.
0: And we want to remind you that your good health is your right, and it's your own personal responsibility. So that means that the final decision when considering any course of therapy, whether it's discussed on the internet or prescribed by a physician or a veterinarian, is always yours. Mm -hmm. Yes.
1: You can make these choices together with your papa. Uh, Okay, so... (laughs) (laughs) I would
0: like... (laughs) More dinner. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I don't
0: think that's a good idea, Elsie. So. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: so, yeah, so really we're just going to chat about a few plants that, uh, that we work with with Elsie Pup uh, on occasion, and we'll talk a little bit about why. Um, so this is not your comprehensive herbs for dogs or herbs for pets uh, material. There's really a lot to say, you know. Um, herbs are good for animals of all kinds, whether it's uh, dogs, cats, birds lizards, whatever you you can think of. Mm -hmm. Um, And, uh, you know, there's really a lot to to be done and and to learn there. So this is just a little taste.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I would say that um, these are probably the most common herbs that LC works with, although one of them is less common these days because she got over that problem. But let's uh, mm. let's stop the mystery and jump right in and start with seaweed. Yeah, because seaweeds are actually the single most common herb that Elsie works with. Um, I yeah. like to put seaweed in her dinner every night.
1: Yeah, so and every, have, every morning and both times. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we keep seaweed around um, in a few different forms, but uh, the ones we've been giving Elsie have been cut and sifted, kind of like you just have your. Leafy herbs in your mm-hmm. in your jars from from the herb suppliers and herb shops. Um, so uh, we put some into her food. We put some into our own food. Really, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, making dinner and just a sprinkle of uh, chopped seaweed. Yeah,
0: not much. Like really, like a pinch, or sometimes two pinches.
1: Hmm.
0: And the one, re- of, one of
1: those pinches where you have like three or four fingers involved.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not uh, like. It's not a tablespoon of seaweed. It's like like literally just a sprinkle on top. But, um, you know, a little bit of seaweed in every meal means that Elsie is getting uh, minerals that she might not ordinarily get. So in the wild, dogs would get minerals from their water supply, which is not happening for domesticated dogs because mm-hmm. the water is filtered. And water filtration is good because it's not good to have Crud in your water,
1: yeah. But you know, mm-hmm. but one
0: problem with really aggressive water filtration is that it does demineralize the water. So um, if you have like reverse osmosis or any other kind of um, water filtration system in your home, then um, then that water is, is uh, like not mineral rich, like it would be if you're dog was just drinking out of a stream, which Mm. Elsie does love to do, but doesn't get to do every day.
1: Right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, uh, dogs in the wild would also get a lot of mineral content from eating the bones of little, little tasty creatures Mm -hmm. that they would encounter Mm -hmm. uh, on their travels. (laughs) And although we do try to
0: give Elsie bones pretty regularly, um, a dog in the wild would be eating bones every single day. Mm. That would just be a part of, like, every time they eat, they would be eating bones Um, and parts of, of the animal that they were eating that they don't have access to in a domesticated
1: diet. Yeah. I mean, including connective tissue and we give, we give Elsie bone broth. Um, that is actually one of the methods that we'll use to, to give her uh, a lot of herbs, you know, with the seaweed here, we have been able to just sprinkle it right on the food and, Mm. and you know, the food we give her, uh, it's, it's wet food. Um, Yeah. Like,
0: like human grade cooked food. It's, um, some meat, usually some egg, um, and some kind of vegetable, maybe some kale, um, squash, green beans. Occasionally, some broccoli. She likes broccoli the best, actually. Um, but it's like food that you could just eat. Also, it's it's regular human grade food. But um, but even that is still like it still isn't complete. Just because you know the, a dog in the wild doesn't just eat ground. Pork or ground beef or ground whatever they eat the whole mouse or whatever it is that they've caught. Uh, one other thing, one other place that animals get minerals in the wild is from dirt. Um, so we got to think about how do humans get minerals. Well, we get minerals um, from our plants uh, in many cases. But how do our plants get minerals? They get minerals from the soil. Well, how does the soil get minerals? The soil gets minerals because rocks break down over time. And so, by the way, if you have removed all the rocks from your garden and you're not adding minerals to your garden, then the vegetables that you're growing in your garden do not have as high of a mineral content as you would like them to have. So um, even though rocks are uh, not good for mechanical tillers, uh, for me, for, for my... For my gardening effort, I would prefer to um, till or just not till at all, but till by hand um, without a tool and then, or without a a tiller tool and then leave all the rocks in the garden. Uh, But at any rate, dogs in the wild would be getting minerals the same way that plants do because every time they eat, they would be getting a little bit of dirt and in the wild, that dirt has a high mineral content because it is, you know, mixed up with rocks and
1: whatever. Yeah. And it would have a high microbial life content as well. Yes. You know? Yes. Mm. Yeah. So...
0: So seaweed is replacing some of those minerals that she would normally be getting in other ways in her diet. And and even though she gets good food and, and you know, human-grade food without a lot of fillers it still is not going to have the mineral content that she really needs. So,
1: right. mm-hmm. yeah. So seaweed. <coughs> yeah, seaweed. And, um, you know, the seaweed is also helping to support uh, joint health and connective tissue health. Mm. Um, that's something that we observe with the seaweed, where it has a lot of these constituents called glycosaminoglycans or GAGs. I suppose <laughs> gags. Gags. <laughs> um, but uh, those are those are compounds that are, are found in seaweed and are kind of unique to... Um, to seaweeds and, and macroalgae, but, uh, they're very similar in some ways to, um, to like glucosamine or chondroitin or these constituents that are found when we cook up uh, connective tissue and, mm. and make a, make a bone broth. And, um, these are elements that are going to support the growth and the recovery of connective tissue. So that's nice to get a kind of, um, a bonus support there. And that,
0: that's particularly important for our dog in particular because Elsie is a very athletic dog um, who will catch a frisbee literally for 10 hours straight. <laughs> um, and, and, Uh, and likes to jump high to catch it in the air, sometimes will flip when she catches it, and she's like seven now, so, (laughs) um, you know, she's just, she's like a gymnast dog, and we need to make sure that we're doing extra work to support her joints.
1: Right, yeah, she really needs a good romp every day, and, and, uh, Yeah. She'll, she'll go hard. (laughs) Yeah. She's
0: still, she's still the fastest dog in the dog park on most days, even at her age.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. So seaweeds are supporting there. And then, you know, one other thing, um, and, uh, uh, with this one, we, well, let's say, so seaweeds, they, they also, uh, from those polysaccharide contents that they have, they support immune health. Mm. Um, so this is pretty well documented in, in lab studies and human studies and so on. Um, I haven't, I haven't, I have to admit, I haven't seen one about dog immunity, uh, and seaweeds, but I, you know, they're mammals, they're really similar in their physiology to us. And, um, the, the way that these go to work for, for us inside our bodies, you have to imagine it's going to be about the same in a dog. Um, but anyway, you know, it's all around good for her. Mm. It's it's nutritive. It's supportive to the joints. It's probably got a little extra bonus help for the immune function there. Yeah. Um, certainly to keep in, uh, inflammation in check. So.
0: Now, you might be thinking, well, Katya, well, Rin, what about nettle? Couldn't you give Elsie nettle? We could. Um, but Elsie tends to run a little on the dry side. Mm-hmm. And um, with her joint... You know, she doesn't have a a particular joint problem as she gets older. We do notice like she she is very athletic and we do see a little bit of sports kind of not injury, but like impact on her joints overall. And so in general, uh, we would prefer in her case. Oh, oh. And the other factor I wanted to say here is that she also has a lot of tension in her body. Um, and and some of that is muscular Because she is very athletic Very gymnastic um, And also some of that is uh, We see it in her personality We see it in her, in her guts too That she just She's just wound a mm-hmm. little bit um, And so if we were to give her nettle That Wouldn't be the end of the world But it would be drying And um, in general If we're going to choose a high mineral herb For Elsie we would really prefer fur, one that comes out on the moistening side and, and gets the bonus also of some joint support going on. So if you have a dog who tends towards dampness, who tends towards a lot of like water retention, um, or is um, like maybe, you know, he's kind of like, well, how would I know if my dog retains water? It's the same way that you do as a human, like maybe they are a little overweight, but also they're puffy. You know, like not a lot of tone in them, not a lot of tension in your dog. Your dog is kind of a puddle. Then um, our cat, Glory, would like to be included in this conversation. And she just threw a pen at the microphone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry about the giant smash. Um,
0: so if your dog is kind of a puddle and that's how you could you could define your dog, then maybe nettle would be a more appropriate um Herb, or you could, you could certainly go with both, but, mm. but that would be the sort of situation where I'd be thinking about nettle instead of seaweed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's stay in the kind of realm of, uh, of joint health and inflammation and athletics for a moment mm. here. Um, and talk about our next herb, which is going to be Solomon's seal. Yes. Um so Solomon Seal isn't one that we'll give to Elsie every day. The seaweed we pretty much have been every day for a while now. Every meal, um, yeah. You know, and again it's small amounts each time but but consistently. Mm-hmm. The Solomon seal is one that we'll bring out for Elsie when she's kinda Got a little sprain or a strain going on. Yeah, she gets uh, sports
0: injuries just like humans do. Yep. Sometimes she jumps really spectacularly and maybe kind of comes down a little on the wrong paw. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, you know, it happens to her just like just right. like any athlete.
1: Yeah, or sometimes we'll take her out for a, for a day of romping and it might be kind of a different physical challenge. I'm thinking of times when there's a, a spot by the seaside that we really like to visit. And yeah. this is not like white sandy beaches. This is like the the piles of of craggy boulders yeah uh and you just kind of climb clamber all over them for your day and um and we love to do that and elsie likes it too you know she'll she'll jump from rock to rock she can she's pretty quick you know over mm. uneven terrain and everything um but it definitely her her challenges her muscles differently than than the daily romps at the park um, and you can, you can see her being a little stiff in some new spots. Yeah.
0: Uh, yes. Yeah, so the next day she's kind of like eh, a little creaky when she gets up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So on days like that, that's when we'll give her Solomon seal. And with this one, um, we, we prefer to deliver it in a broth. Um, so we'll have cut and sifted Solomon seal. Um, we'll make a bone broth, put in some seaweed, you know, put in gristle, gristle bones and all of that. But then we'll put in a solid handful of Solomon seal in it. And let it cook down, um, you know, for a couple hours, and then we'll take that broth and just put a splash of it, you know, a, a ladleful right onto her mm-hmm. dinner and stir it right in, and she eats that up, and that's how she gets her dose.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's you know there have been times that we that we have put Solomon seal right into the dinner, but honestly, Solomon seal does really benefit from cooking it. Um, cooking it in water specifically mm-hmm. um, so putting it in broth and if you can't put it in broth then at least um, like because you're I don't know traveling or whatever um, just just put it in a little bit of boiling water to kind of like rehydrate it soften it um, and then once it's cool go ahead and put the water and the roots themselves right in um, fresh yeah. root would be fine too Uh, But we don't have that. Like, if you happen to grow tons of Solomon Seal and you just have access to fresh fruit, that's fantastic. Just pop it right in there. But um, Mm. our Solomon Seal population is not large enough yet to do that.
1: Yeah. I do know some folks who will work with tincture, you know, take a a dropper of tincture or the right amount for the size of the creature and put that into the food and stir that in. We never really felt delighted about that (laughs) approach. Yeah. Animals Um, don't
0: process alcohol very easily, and so I'd rather avoid that whenever possible.
1: Yeah, 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 and, you know, we've got it around, so we just like to put it right in the food that way or Mm -hmm. or make a broth and and get it in. So Solomon's seal, if you're not familiar with this plant, um, this is like our number one herb for connective tissue inflammation and injury um, and creakiness and, you know, tension excess Mm -hmm. as well, Mm -hmm. Um, and all of that can come from a, a hard workout or from challenging muscles and, and tendons and ligaments in new ways. Um, <clears throat> you know, this herb can also be helpful if, if you just have an elder dog who's got arthritis, you know, has some creaky joints or has the tension in the hips, um, a little bit of Solomon seal broth in the food every day. Uh, that should really help to, to support lubrication in those joints, to yeah. support fluid movement through those connective tissues. Plus,
0: plus, when you do it in the broth, you're also getting all that collagen and the connective tissue broken down for them, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a lot of people like glucosamine and chondroitin as a supplement for their animals, and, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. There's lots of data about it. But honestly, um, it is more bioavailable, both to humans and to, to um, pets, mm-hmm. if, it, if it comes from the broth itself and even still in that, in that delivery mechanism.
1: Yeah, yeah. And if it was a more long-term thing, then there are there are a couple other herbs that you might include to put in there with your Solomon Seal. You know, if you're going to be making this, then you may also put in some Japanese knotweed, for instance. That's mm-hmm. another herb that really supports connective tissue. Um, you know, in cer- certain circumstances, you might also include teasel root there. Um, that one's particularly good for uh, maintaining muscle uh, integrity, uh, specifically. So a little less focused on the joints there, but little more on the muscle itself yeah
0: and integrity in particular uh, like um, teasel root is a if you think about teasel it's very springy it is like a, a, a it's a plant with a lot of tension in it and so this can be helpful for um, this can be helpful when you have a pup who maybe is having like hip dysplasia or hip Issues where, like, the joint kind of pops out pretty mm-hmm. frequently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and again, this is not like, I'm not saying this will cure, uh, like, an elder dog's hip problems or something yeah. like that. Like, n- th- that's definitely not what we're going for here. But in terms of just being supportive, making the whole situation a little easier to manage, um, it-, it will be very helpful for that. Yeah. Very helpful in that case.
1: Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Okay. Um, so let's see. Next one. Mm-hmm. To probably to talk about the pumpkin seeds? Yes. Yeah.
0: So when Elsie came to us, Elsie um is a rescue dog. Um oh wait, 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 wait. Before I do that, rescue dog just made me think of it because I was going to say everybody should rescue a dog because it's pretty wonderful. Um, but what I wanted to say before that was everybody should plant Solomon's seal because it's pretty wonderful. <laughs> um, so Solomon's seal is a very easy to grow plant, just ridiculously easy, and will grow in a wide variety of climates. The only thing that it really is picky about is that it, it wants to be in the shade. So if you have a tree in your yard or or like a shady area of your yard that's shaded most of the time, like the shady side of the house or something like that, you can grow Solomon seal. And, and honestly, it's, it doesn't take a lot of care. It's not a a challenging plant to grow. It just wants to be not dried out. It doesn't need to be soggy, but it doesn't want to be dried out. Yeah. And it wants to have mostly shade. Yeah. Um, and see, uh, Solomon seal in the wild is at risk, but it, like cultivated Solomon seal is just every bit as good and it's super, super easy to do. So, um, I really think that we need like a new generation of Johnny Appleseed and let it be like Samantha Solomon seal. <laughs> like, nice. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and just planting Solomon seal everywhere, Lovely. everywhere, everywhere that you go. So, like, even if you're, um, you know, if you if you know that you're not going to live where you live forever or something, just go ahead and plant it anyway because it'll be there for the next people and that's fantastic. Um, okay. Okay, so pumpkin seed.
1: Yeah, right. pumpkin seed.
0: <laughs> so when we adopted Elsie, um, she had come up from the south. Uh, this, is, this is fairly popular in New England um, because there aren't enough um, dogs to adopt in New England as there are the number of people who would like to have dogs as pets um they, and because there are too many dogs in the south and not enough people to to adopt them um there are multiple uh organizations who uh will transport dogs from the south to the north so um they have like foster programs um the cats are really really wanting to be involved here um they have foster programs to help adopt dogs and you can find them like on petfinder and the just the various adoption sites and then you know you Skype with with the dog and you talk to the people who who have been fostering it and then um and then they just bring it up for you and then hooray, you have your wonderful dog and so that was the case with Elsie and when she got here she had a lot of trouble with tapeworms um and you know i mean she was she was fairly healthy overall they had they had done a really good job but just tapeworms kind of can linger and can can be hard to to manage so
1: yeah it wasn't you know. impacting her her energy or her behavior in any particular way um you know she would just sometimes do a poop and then there would be these little dancing bits of kind of looked like rice except that's definitely wiggling all right um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know so that would happen every now and again yeah
0: okay. Um, and, and sort of uh, something that goes along with that is, uh, is sort of these, these two things often kind of go in tandem is that your dog will eat poop when it is out. And, and for Elsie, she was a connoisseur of goose poop, which is um, abundant in New England. And um, so, so these were challenges that we were still working on when she came to us and uh, I tried like all different kinds of things to manage the tapeworm, and the thing the thing that I found to be most successful was coarsely ground pumpkin seeds, and m- most successful in many ways. Like they very quickly dispatched with the tapeworm, and uh, they were very acceptable to Elsie. So you know, garlic can be helpful, and turmeric, and other things, but the yeah, strong we did, flavors. We did
1: try a little bit of those mixed into the food and powder. She put up with it. She became. Like, more reluctant the longer that mm-hmm. that went on mm-hmm. in the dinner. She would be like, oh, again? Really? Ugh.
0: Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. But with the pumpkin seed, so we would grind them up just in a little grinder. And it wasn't a lot each time. It was like a quarter A cup? quarter cup. Yeah. Yeah.
0: A quarter cup. And just sprinkled it on top of her food. And she was like, no problem. You mm-hmm. know? She didn't mind at all.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
0: kind of nutty, guys. Yeah. It's not bad.
1: Yeah, that didn't really seem to bother her. Yeah. <clears throat> so... So, I mean, a real simple thing, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if you have, if you have a pup with tapeworm situations, give it a try, you know, mm-hmm. can't hurt and real simple.
0: And really we haven't dealt with that since she was two. Like we, we dealt with it that first summer when she first came and then it wasn't so bad over the winter and the second summer, we still were kind of clearing out the remnants of it. And then since then, no problem.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Simple. <clears throat> um, an herb that we give Elsie, I'd say, a little more frequently is chamomile.
0: Yes. Yeah,
1: chamomile. chamomile. Yeah. And this one, um, I, I think I can remember the first time we were really serious about giving her chamomile, and it was after the the neutering operation. Spaying. Spaying operation. Yeah, when she got spayed. I always get those uh, mixed up. <laughs> yeah, guess, yeah, Yeah,
0: she got spayed, and she... Um, you know, they said, well, she has to lay still for like a week. And we were like, have you met our dog? Are you, are you crazy? Like, that's not going to happen. And, um, so we were like, what, what can we possibly do, um, to get her to lay still?
1: (laughs) Well, so what we ended up doing was, uh, putting chamomile into her food. And again, this was really just as simple as that you know we would take about a quarter cup of dried chamomile flowers stir them right into her her dinner her wet food dinner uh and they would kind of saturate for a moment and then we would just put it down for her and she would eat it right up
0: yeah and she really does now so now she's about uh, like 50 pounds or maybe 40 48 or 49 pounds and if we give her chamomile, we give her like a, between a quarter cup and a half a cup of the dried flowers, um, and sometimes, sometimes literally, I can just dump them on top and it's fine. And sometimes they need to be a little bit soaked in broth. Mm. Um, but these days, um, like it really did get her through that recovery phase, so that she would she would feel calm and a little snoozy and allow herself to just heal. Um but these days we do it a lot when there are um thunderstorms or if there's gonna be fireworks.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um we've lived in various neighborhoods around the city over the years and some of them were very much the fireworks yeah. for like the whole week or two up up to the fourth of July. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much this past year, but definitely previous years, a lot more, a lot more explosions in the neighborhood. Yeah. And, um, she, that always really got her, got her anxious and unhappy. So we would kind of preemptively be like, all right, we know they're going to start going off once the sun goes down. Let's give you chamomile in your dinner this evening. And, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that always helps, you know,
0: she also really is very uncomfortable when there's strong wind. Um, or mm-hmm. even if there isn't thunder and lightning like a strong wind with strong heavy rain
1: kind of shaking the house a yeah. little bit you know yeah like
0: <laughs> this isn't a hurricane but it's it's impressive you know right. and mm-hmm. and here in in uh, coastal new england we get that you know several times you
1: get a good nor'easter on occasion yeah, yeah. so
0: and and, <laughs> and several times through the through the summer too and um so those are times when she just really It's almost like relief for her when we, when she's, she's so antsy. She's so antsy. She can't settle in anywhere. And then it's like, Hey, how about a chamomile snack? And I'll even just like, even if it's not dinner time I'll be like, you need some chamomile. And I'll put like a little bit of broth and like a quarter serving of a meal. And then almost as much chamomile, stir it all up together. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's, it's like, it's like she just breathes a sigh of relief and she's just like
1: Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now yeah. I can lay down. Yeah. If your dog doesn't want to eat the chamomile flowers just right on the food or in the food, then just put it in broth. Just make a make a just treat the, the broth as if it was the boiling water and you'd make your infusion with. Mm. Steep the chamomile in there, strain it out, um, mix that fluid right in. It'll still taste meaty and be super appealing in that way and everything, but That will definitely draw those constituents out and and get them into your papa. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's how we do it. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. I've got a a little bonus one here um, (laughs) because, you know, we often talk about chamomile and catnip together. And this is actually no exception. Um, So what happened with this one was, um, you know, we we have several cats here in the house and I'll often give everybody a little catnip. Uh, just because you know cats need herbs too, and mm-hmm. they're not they're not quite as interested in the in the whole array of plants as uh, as dogs tend to be you know or, or accepting of them, but they do like catnip for sure, so I try to get them some every day um, and I'll kind of walk around to each cat and give them a little pinch of uh, you know, Call it human grade catnip, I yeah, guess. Yeah, like but...
0: <laughs> like literally just the catnip right straight out of our apothecary yeah, medicinal
1: yeah. medicinal power catnip, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'll give you everybody a little pinch. Um, and I noticed that Elsie would watch me do this, and so I was like, "All right, Elsie, lay down," you know. <laughs> and and what we'll do often when we're giving her like a little bit from our dinner is we'll have her lay down and put a little bit right on her paw, and she has to wait and you know look at it until we say okay, and then she can she can eat it up. So. Uh, I was giving the catnip to everybody and I would say, Alright, Elsie, lay down and put a little catnip right on her paw and have her wait. So like build some suspense and then <laughs> and then she's like, Okay, I really want it and then I'd say, Okay, you can have it and she'd look it all up and kinda of look at me. Like, What what why are you giving me dry leaves? What's the deal with this? But she that also that a... was not bacon. Yeah. But she also <laughs> kinda of looks like okay, I participated, you know, like she she gets to be part of the group. Yeah. You know, she's not left out. (laughs) Um, And I think that that actually matters to her. Yeah,
0: I think so too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So now, now it's just a habit every time, you know, anytime everyone's getting catnip, then Elsie gets some and...
0: Honestly, honestly, I do think that she likes it. Mm -hmm. I do think that it, it... it Because she looks it up,
1: she'll get all of it. Like she'll, she won't leave a little pile of leaves on the the ground. She'll go back for it.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I do think that it, it settles her in a somewhat different way than chamomile does. Like chamomile it it is stronger on dogs than it is on humans, um, and it does kind of knock her out a little bit like, um, she doesn't like totally flomp over and fall asleep, but she definitely is like very chill
1: mm-hmm. and
0: catnip doesn't knock her out, yeah, but there isn't there is still a noticeable like maybe contentedness
1: well she certainly whines less yeah <laughs> so there has yeah. been an occasion when elsie's been just a little antsy and i'm like i'm sorry i need to stay at this computer for another hour or so and you mm. know and like you just have to get through this thing and be like all right have a little catnip just just hold on and and that'll usually give her that bridge you mm. know until it's time for the next break and we can yeah. run around the house a few times <laughs> yeah yeah so again just a just a sampling uh of some of some plants that we work with uh with our own dog and and we think that lots of dogs could benefit from. Um and, and again really
0: like the most common ones. You know, like mm-hmm. there isn't much you don't have to do like super strong things for for animals. They respond really Really quickly and and yeah. well to gentle herbs.
1: Yeah, I guess I should say these are all plants that we've also um, you know suggested to students and to to clients. Um, I've had a few clients that the session was for the animal, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, a lot of the same stuff came up, you know, um, for the for the joint health, for the nutritive boost, for the the anxiety relief and everything. So. Yeah. Yeah. Tried and tested. Um, definitely worth experimenting uh, in your own furry friends. Yes. <laughs> yes. Cool. Well, that's it for this week. Um, we're going to be back next time with some more Holistic Herbalism podcast for you.
0: Until then.
1: Until then, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of your pets.
0: Scritch their ears.
1: And uh, drink some tea or get some tea into the dinners for everybody. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See you later.
0: Bye-bye.